0: Hello and welcome to the Cafe Hustle. My name is Andy Jones and today we are talking to George Pinnell of Coop & Craft & Goosey. and we're looking at mental health again in another episode in this series where we are examining how different business owners take a different approach to mental health for either themselves or their staff because I think it's a really important topic that we cover as part of our discussions around running our businesses or managing our people because we do really need to keep on top of how... on top of our staff well-being so in this episode we're going to be talking about how being super organized can really help your mental health and give you the headspace you need to make the decisions around your business how authoritarian leadership styles need to be a thing of the past in hospitality and how focusing on working conditions can have a really big impact on the well-being of your team we're going to be covering all this and so much more when we get back from thanking our sponsors Is training new staff members costing you huge amounts of money and only achieving inconsistent results at best? Trainual, with its easy-to-use platform, can significantly reduce your training costs whilst increasing consistency across your entire business through recording and documenting your repeatable tasks all in one place. Visit trainual.com and use promo code CAFEHUSTLE for a seven-day free trial and 10% off your first 12 months. So, George, thank you very much for joining me on the CAFE HUSTLE. How are you today?
1: Yes, very well. Uh, glad to be here. Thank you for having me. How are you?
0: I'm very well, yeah. We've just had Mother's Day yesterday, a busy day for you guys.
1: Yeah, one of the busiest days in the calendar. Um, we have had a proper one for now. Over well, three years ago, we had the last yeah. proper one, so it was good to get back into it. Um, at the time, it's were always quite stressful and a bit of a headache, but um, looking back, I'm happy with how it went. So, yeah, very good.
0: Yeah, I know there's a lot of concerns still with customers and whether they're going out places as much did you have any issues with that did
1: um where we are we're on the outskirts of portsmouth so um we're in a bit of a village here and we didn't have too many issues with it it's quite an affluent area so we were quite lucky that people were still quite willing to, to come out so we didn't get hit too much during the pandemic and um since a lot of the restrictions ended people were more than willing to um come out so we've snapped back quite um quite well i think and um I think we're quite lucky in that regard, to be honest, versus the rest of the industry.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's been a tough couple of years, and like you say, hopefully now we are as an industry coming out of it. And fingers crossed, it doesn't get any worse again. But so we're going to jump into the start of how we start every episode. Really, what's your purpose? What keeps you? What keep? What drives you to do what you do? Um,
1: for me, what drives me is we just want to be better than we were last week. Um, hospitality is so fast paced and. Um, relentless that for us it's just a journey and we just want to be or for me i want to be better than i am the week before and make little improvements along the way um i think with running a restaurant there's not always a big you don't always have a big why or a big purpose but for me i just want to try and add something that the industry can be proud of into this little area that we're in um and something that the community can be proud of as well um for us that's what's important so whether that's innovating with new products um offering high levels of service just injecting some pride into everything we do that's that's our true driver and that's my true driver um and that's my purpose to be honest with you it's just to try and be the best we can be
0: so tell me about your journey then how did you get to being the owner of coop and craft um it's quite a long journey
1: um so i've been doing it almost 11 years now in hospitality um i'm 29 now so i started when i was 18 which is a bit of a lie, actually. I probably started when I was 16. I had a job at McDonald's, um, which was always quite frowned upon then, but I actually learned a lot from it. Um, I think it's a very good employer of young people. It's probably not the best long-term career, but as a 16 to 18-year-old type of job, um, you couldn't really ask for more. So I learned a lot with that. And at the same time, I worked an Indian takeaway. Um, So that helped me see another side of the industry. but then from there, I got offered a job at a restaurant through someone I knew through the Indian Takeaway and ended up working with that person up until now. Um, and he's now my business partner. So um, so from the age of 18, I've been in restaurants. I started off as a waiter after about two and a half years of doing that. At about 21, I uh, became a restaurant manager, started running a restaurant, built from there, started running two, three, four within the group. And then when I was 25, um, had the opportunity to open my own venue which I absolutely grasped with both hands. Um, and I've loved it ever since, really. And at 18, I remember coming in and thinking, this will do for a year. Um, and I also had in my head I'd never run a restaurant because I was a snob. Um, and then somehow I ended up being quite good at it. Um, and I just haven't left it since. I love the buzz of it. I love the adrenaline of it. Um, and when it goes well, it goes really well. So, yeah, for me, it's, um, it ticks a lot of boxes
0: yeah just touching on you say there, you learn a lot at mcdonald's and i think you hear a lot of like where people are looking to start either a, a cafe or a restaurant it's it's about getting out there in the in the industry and learning like mcdonald's they've got their systems nailed down everything is done the same way every single time and there's a lot like you say there's a lot you can learn as a young person coming into the industry from an employer like mcdonald's yeah i think um it gives
1: you really good values essentially um a big business like that like you said everything is as it should be um everything is robotic everything is the same each and every time nothing changes in that regard and um you learn that but you also learn there's obviously a huge emphasis on health and safety a huge emphasis on cleaning i think sometimes with certain independents that's not always the case so it was really good to get that experience from a huge corporate business in hospitality um and then carry that through into independence and see how that worked because anyone that listens to this will know that they're complete opposites in terms of um corporate versus independent so yeah so it was a huge um start and a brilliant start for me in my career
0: yeah you're right people that run independence anyway are very much passionate about delivering the food and it's the it's the corporate stuff and i say corporate and in inverted cars yeah that yeah. really is the foundation of what we do that can sometimes get Left behind. So, like you say, getting involved in a big company like that it teaches you how to implement them in a business like your own. When you start your own restaurant, you've got that background, you've got that knowledge to apply to your own business. Yeah. So, talking now about Coop and Craft, just tell us a little bit about your concept, what it is you do, what you offer.
1: Um, so, Coop and Craft started off originally as me looking around for a concept and trying to be a bit different. And I knew I wanted to run my own venue. I had no idea what it was going to be. Um, and having done a little bit of research, this was in late 2017, I realized that burgers had had its day, in my head anyway. Um, Italian restaurants were saturated through the market. Um, and it was kind of looking for like a, a USP, if you will. So yeah. we landed on um, fried chicken. So if everything else was made posh, hot dogs, burgers, pizza. So it was like, well, maybe fried chicken is going to have its day. So we started off with that. I think we had like two burgers on the menu but again anyone that listens to this and works in restaurants will know you put one burger on your menu it'll be your bestseller. um so unfortunately we ended up being a bit more of a burger place than we planned but having said that now i absolutely love it so we are fried chicken and burgers um but we kind of say we do anything that tastes good and feels good it's comfort food essentially um and the dirtier the better so your mac and cheese your dirty fries all that kind of stuff um and then we tried to pair that in the area we are with like cocktails and um craft beers, craft gins at the time. Um, and tried to be a little bit of a paradox in that regard where you could have this really dirty meal, but these really like clean, crisp, nice cocktails. Um and for us it's worked really well. Um the pandemic was huge and given us like an adrenaline boost for the business. And um we managed to really take advantage of being able to do delivery and takeaway. Um and our food's perfect for that. So at the moment we're a bit of a restaurant takeaway bar everything if it makes money we'll try and do it so um as long as it's true to our values we're there so yeah fried chicken and burgers with a nice drinks offering is probably the best way to describe it
0: yeah and did you develop that concept before you had the location and the de- and working out the demographic around you or was it something that sort of worked in tandem side by side
1: uh yeah probably more than the latter it was the the tandem so we already had the location It was trying to make something fit within it but then you're also trying to make sure there's something quite unique and competitive, and there's nothing like it in the area. So that's why fried chicken was so um, appealing for us because there's not a lot of there's not a lot of fried chicken restaurants just yet. I think it's a lot more now. but In 2017, there wasn't many at all, and um, that's where we went with it. And we knew with that, basically, if 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 the offering was good enough in a premium area, that we would be able to compete. So. That's kind. We kind of got led by the location a little bit, but yeah, we would never look back. So I'm really happy we did that.
0: Yeah, it's got to come. You've got to take into account your location as well as obviously there's a vision and a concept you want to deliver as part of your, of the business. But you've got to obviously keep an eye on the demographic around you, whether because there's no point putting something there that the people. In your around your location don't want to be yeah. or not really interested in so yeah that tandem approach is probably a great way of of getting it to fit with the demographic so today we are really talking about mental health and it's something we've been doing a series on and so now we're t- turning it to have a look at sort of owners and and managers and how we deal with our own mental health so the two last two years have just been crazy and certainly as a as a business owner have. Probably been a really scary period. So what what how has that affected the mental health of owners, operators and senior managers generally, do you think?
1: Oh, I think it's just been a horrible two years, really. Um, yeah, it's just been challenging. But I think the, the problem you've had with the pandemic was that literally everyone had the same feeling. So you couldn't sit there and feel too sorry for yourself because everyone's feeling the same um it helped talking about it but ultimately everyone's coming back with the same feelings also um but i also feel like even now it's it's, as much as we're recovering from the pandemic with everything else that's kind of happening right now obviously we're recording this late march and the VAT is going up in a couple of days and stuff like that so we're still not quite out of the woods yet and that those same feelings are probably there just i think for me personally i can know how to deal with them better um but i just remember feeling a lot of anxiousness and there's a lot of angst in the air it felt and tension and it was just horrible two years ago so yeah. um, I imagine that's how most people felt even if you were running a business or not but for running a business obviously you then take on a lot of the um, a lot of the feeling of um, pressure for, for the other staff you have and stuff like that so it's not just worrying about yourself it's worrying about everyone else around you um, and then your mind can spiral I think and you can think about other things and maybe that could happen and maybe this could happen but for me, personally, that's how I felt at a certain points. Um, but again, you keep going and you work through it and eventually learn to kind of, I guess, live with them as best you can.
0: Yeah. How did you deal with it once that first lockdown was announced? What was, how did you react to that from a business point of view? But then obviously the mental side of, there's a huge amount of concern around keeping the keeping the lights on, keeping the doors open through that period and beyond.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was incredibly tough. don't get me wrong. Um, but... For me personally um my attitude was just to keep going and i think i probably worked a little bit harder um probably just to keep my mind off things i feel like maybe if i was working hard at it then i would feel like i'm in control of it even if i wasn't so it's that kind of weird coping mechanism but i remember at the time being like a real sense of duty that i better know what's going on and kind of have some answers so that everyone else um could be a little bit more reassured with it so I remember having looked at it heavily that, that, that we, I remember that week vividly from the Monday to the following Monday when we locked down, um, from like, I think the Monday Boris had said, don't go to restaurants. Um, and on the Friday he had locked down restaurants, said restaurants have to shut tonight. Um, so I remember following it really intently over that period and realizing, okay, something's happening here. And one of my proudest moments is that on the Friday he said four or five o'clock, I think it was restaurants or hospitality was shut basically. I remember like half an hour later having a meeting with everyone because Friday nights everyone's in anyway. I kind of was able to answer all of their questions. Um, I really valued that, that I was able to prepare for something in a weird way and have some answers and be able to reassure other people. So I kind of coped with that a lot throughout the pandemic, kind of kept up with it. Obviously that means you're keeping up with all the the bad stuff and the bad news as well as the good news. Um, But it just helped have a clear plan. I think that really helped the staff out that we had. Um, feel so a little bit more reassured so as a business we decided we would carry on with takeaway we had a takeaway offering anyway and he said we, we basically knew that if we wanted to carry on we would um but if i'm being truthfully honest it's because we had to we didn't have enough money in the bank to just sit there and wait um we knew basically it was carry on and survive or just die so I spoke spoke to the staff and the staff were really happy to carry on as well and they were kind of I remember after two weeks of the lockdown, we were really grateful we were able to carry on with this real sense of gratitude that it was busy, but it was a good busy. Like McDonald's was shut, KFC was shut, King was shut. Like it was a real gratefulness. Um, and also in that period, we were getting orders. And on the orders, you can add notes in the takeaway orders. And we were getting notes of thank you for carrying on and thank you for helping us out. And that really helped keep us going as well. So yeah, yeah it was a mixture of all those things really. But I think it was the, the kind of just having a plan helped feel some kind of control Um, and knowing that for right or for wrong, we're going to go down this route and just keep working and hopefully it'll work. Um, And that's the lucky position we were in. Um, I dread to think of a country pub that's got very little houses around it. And, you know, trying to do takeaway, it must be impossible. So my heart really went out for people like that. And again, that's where that gratitude comes from. So I think that gratitude and looking at it with a positive angle probably helped us cope a lot.
0: Yeah, I think, Frank, from my point, my experience of it is is we had a, a hint that something was coming, like a lockdown, because yeah. I'm in the Isle of Man, so we've got our own government and they were making their own decisions. And it's, right, you constantly, like I went into this, it was probably, it's a very strange feeling, but like this almost like tunnel vision of t- constantly yeah. refreshing Twitter and trying to find yeah. this information. And, and it got to the point where I was, absorbed by it the first sort of 24 hours I yeah. sort of almost went into a spin which is something I've never really experienced before because there was so much uncertainty it was like right well, what are we doing here and it was that it like, similar feel, I to think you. with
1: that it did feel like it was changing every hour well, yeah. the news and the information and adaptation so yeah it makes total sense like I-, I can relate to that obsession and like you said like addicted to the news trying to find out what's happening next is there a change is there not so yeah I, I totally agree with that.
0: Yeah and we were trying to decide again what was like you did. What's the right choice? And for us, the the takeaway market was or was saturated really, and and what we offered in our cafe wasn't necessarily the best to travel. You know, it's not. Yeah. It was like toasted sandwiches, which wouldn't have been yeah. the the best once they'd got somewhere. So it's for us, trotty. it was better to to shut, and we did shut, and we knew our outgoings, we knew our costs, we knew how much money we had. But it's, you're right, it's it's that initial trying to work out what the landscape is, okay. what's the best fit for your business, what's the ve- best fit for your staff as well, because obviously there's a knock-on effect for them. And it is, it's dealing with those things, and I deal with things now differently as a result of going through that experience of not, I say a spin, it wasn't quite a spin, but it was just that obsession. So in terms of then, what are some of the tools and strategies you suggest that people could or that maybe you've used that can help you in those situations now. What sort of things have you got in place that keep you, I don't know, refreshed and, and ready to to deal with the decisions that you've got to make in a business?
1: Um it's difficult. I think the stuff that I found worked for me probably a few things I probably unaware that you do until someone like yourself asks you what you do and then you kind of have to reflect <laughs> on it. But <laughs> yeah. I always try and operate a um, like clean your desk Mentality of like get your day's work done, sort out the next day, make sure your desk is clean, and then basically go home. And that's helped me obviously in hospitality. I feel like it's like one, of, it's one of the only ones that is like a real lifestyle business where you take it home and you have it at work at the same time. You don't really, I don't think people realize a lot outside the industry how much yeah. you are working, even though you're not working. Um, first thing I do when I wake up will be check my phone and. There'll be three or four messages and a couple of emails and sometimes, you know, no one asks how you are, they just go, I need this or I need that or that's not happened. So so a lot of the time, um, I think it's trying to cope with certain things. So I think that clean death mentality of having the next day organized, knowing what you can do the next day, it won't always go to plan because it never does in hospitality, but um having that that attitude really helped. I feel like um a real skill that I developed through the pandemic was the ability to stay organized and stay kind of org- sort out what I wanted to do and when and what the priorities were at the time. And like you said, like we're probably better for it going through the pandemic and surviving because you're just able to cope with things better. Like a crisis isn't a real crisis anymore because we live through the pandemic. Um So if the air conditioning breaks, you're like, okay, cool. We can sort that out. It's not an issue. Um So I feel like just, Trying to stay organized and stay ahead of the game has helped a lot because I know that helped me a lot at the start of the pandemic. Um, those are probably the two key ones for me, and then trying to have that work life balance, which again is, is really hard in hospitality. It's, it's very difficult, but you just carve out little moments. And people will say to me that if you work so hard in hospitality and it's such long hours and stuff. And I think that's why the other two points I made are so important if you're organised and if you kind of carve out when you're going to work and when you're not it gives you the, the time period to kind of allow that personal life um, so yeah for me that's, that's what really helped I think is those those three steps um, yeah. but again I think everyone's a bit different
0: Yeah no I, I, th- I agree with you Like he, the organisation side of it is is huge and I think sometimes people can struggle with getting to that stage so if they're less yeah, organised it's, really it's, it's a Big. It is a lot of work to get ahead of the game, but it gives you so much more headspace, doesn't it, when you are yeah able to, one, think about what you're doing next in the business, but also it gives you more space to deal with those, essentially the fires that you've got to put out on a, as an owner, yes. as a manager. They're coming at you all day, every day, like you say, before you exactly even woken yeah. up, they're on your phone. <laughs> and if you're not organized, if your day is... Just fighting fires and you're reacting to everything. There's no time yeah. to sit and think. One, well, do we need to do something differently for the business? Does it need to go in a different direction? You're not working on it, are you?
1: No, exactly. I think um, again, I think I don't know if it's coming across, but I love control. Um, I think that's probably my main like um, anchor for mental health is control. And your day's not yours when you're fighting fires. Your time's not yours. It's not up to you when you do something. It's this needs to happen right now, and that's what needs to happen. It could be anything. Um, but your day's not yours. And I think, like you said, it, it frees up your headspace to focus on the future a little bit and the long term aspects. And, like I said, if you apply it back to the pandemic, that first week before we locked down as a whole country, um, it was clear that something was happening, like you say. And it was a case of just being able to look ahead slightly a couple of days and think, okay, how is this going to look? Like, are we in trouble right now? And if this happened, what would we would do? If that happened, what would we do? I guess it's a little bit of time for visualization and see what's going to happen in the future a little bit. And then you've then got a plan at least. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that that is obviously key, but that was a crisis. So when you've got three or four days to come up with a solution for a massive problem, again, like two years later, you think, well, I've got that excuse not to come up with a plan for Christmas now or a plan for the summer. Yeah. So, so I think it helps a lot. So again, I think organisation probably is the number one.
0: Yeah. So generally our industry is very much, it's got a reputation of generally of not treating the staff great and, and it is a tough industry to work in, especially like it was a little bit different for me as a cafe owner. We were sort of nine till five anyway, we were open. A bit different in restaurants because obviously you've got the evening service as well. But yeah. what? where do you see the hospitality industry generally? And how do you think it needs to change over the next 12 months? Certainly considering we've got a massive gap in in the number of people wanting to work in hospitality. How do we need to change our image or change what we do to improve the mental health for the people that work in the industry?
1: Um there's a lot of points that to that question. I think um I think where we are right now is it's very fractured the industry. I think there's two two sides of it. Um and there's a side I think it probably reflects society a little bit and there's a side that's quite old school and it's a side that's quite modern thinking. Um, I think ultimately the modern thinking side will win. Um, but if we're going about mental health, I think there's still probably elements of the industry where that Gordon Ramsay style of shouting and screaming at each other, and that's how you resolve conflict and stuff. I think that probably does still exist in certain areas. Um, I'd say fundamentally that has to change. Just And again, I think society's going that way. You can yeah. tell with Gen Z coming through and obviously working in a restaurant, you end up encountering a lot of people like that. It's just not it doesn't work anymore, it just has no effect. It's just gonna turn people off. And again, that is probably one of the number one drivers of people not being in the industry anymore. Um, I think the other side of it is obviously again, full-time hospitality is very demanding. Um, I feel like some venues can sometimes there's reputations for kind of taking advantage of that. And you hear people working either 70, 80, 90 hour weeks and getting paid for 40, 50. Um, or you hear the reverse, which is they're all hourly paid and they're promised they're going to earn X amount. And then after two hours, they go, oh, well, it's a bit quiet that you have to go home. So I think those two things have a huge effect on mental health. And I think the industry's got to do better as a whole with kind of agreeing that there's a certain level to what we can do and kind of stick into that. Um, our principles here, it's always been just be honest with things. Like if you can't afford to pay someone X amount, just say, this is what I can do, but this is what I'm going to try and do. Um and we always try and be quite transparent with it. We're by no means perfect, but I feel like that's where the industry is heading. So the ones that will survive and, and fix things will be that. Uh, the ones that basically offer more honest and transparent solutions to take the anxiety out of something. I think anxiety comes a lot of the time from not knowing the unknown. So if it's more transparent as a process of this is how many hours we've got, this is how much we're going to get paid or whatever, then I think that's going to help a lot more. Um, but as an industry as a whole, I think what Mark McCulloch's doing with Hospitality Rising is a huge yeah. thing at the moment. Um, yeah, I feel like not enough light can be shed on that. I feel like everyone involved in that, and obviously Kate Nichols has done a huge amount of work for the industry. And I think the more pioneers like that we can have in our industry as figureheads, and we can highlight them, the more that um, I think the other people in the industry will, will realise, okay, think things are changing and maybe it's okay. But I think it was clear. I think I remember Fred Siriex when Brexit was happening, was campaigning that it wasn't a skilled job, um, hospitality. I think it was probably clear then in 2016 that the government didn't really rate it. And I think yeah. from that, ever since then, it's just been a case of six years later, we're wondering why no one wants to work hospitality. And it's it's not a surprise. So I feel like Hospitality Rising will do a lot of work towards um, towards fixing it. I know Mark was on your podcast. I don't know if you want to explain what Hospitality Rising is for yeah, everyone. It's, but...
0: uh, yeah, so... Mark is really driving this campaign now to attract people back to hospitality and painting it in the in the light that it, it really is and it is a great industry to work in. So what he is doing is he's trying to get collectively the industry put the funds together to basically have an army be the best style recruitment yes. campaign for the hospitality industry because he's got some big hitters behind it as well. Like I say, the yeah,
1: he's well.
0: actually the fell the fella that has been involved in the army recruitment campaign is now involved with hospitality oh, okay. rising and it's all about it's massive, trying isn't to it? yeah it is huge and i think we've got i think he's 50 days he's given himself the deadline of of i think it's the 1st of may i may be wrong on that but it's 50 days from now and we're on the 28th of march here and it's all he's got the goal now of getting to a million pounds to at least do something meaningful for the industry but you're right it's getting the word out there to people that this is something that we need to get behind because there's a, we think there's a storm here now with the, vac, the minimum wage going back up, energy prices are going up, uh, and we're going to be faced with a, a black hole of a labour shortage, which we're seeing the edges of it now, I think, but come yeah. now that we're opening up, people are coming out, they're getting more confident. As business owners, we need to have that labour available and we yeah. aren't going to have it if we don't start bringing bringing the people back and i think what we're chatting about here it all feeds into that whether it's pay whether it's just generally how you treat your staff how you structure their shifts how they're empowered in the workplace we need to paint conditions i think absolutely yeah well yeah like having good
1: equipment or whatever
0: yeah and temperatures even like we did a lot in our cafe to try and bring the temperature of the kitchen down because every day because it was such a small kitchen as well it was like the temperatures were crazy and we had to like get the aircon in there to bring it down you know it's little things like that that yeah yeah mean a lot and they mean more to people now but i think like I mean,
1: they're selfless acts aren't they really as a hospitality owner it's a selfless yeah. act because no one's going to give you glory for doing it and no one's going to um the customers aren't gonna bring more money in because you put aircon in the kitchen. So I think it's realising that there's an um, there's more of a deal to be made, I guess, where we're gonna do this and in return we want a level of staff, if that makes sense. So I feel like for too long it was just staff coming through the door and if there's they're not good, we'll yeah. get another lot and that's it. And we've kind of got to the end of that conveyor belt and now we're wondering why. Um
0: <laughs> yeah. so, it's a yeah. great so analogy. I think
1: yeah. I think the other yeah, I think the other issue is probably um, for as long as I can remember, hospitality has not been in control of the narrative, but everyone else outside of hospitality is. So, it's, well, why do you want to work in a restaurant? It's it's hard, it's long yeah. hours, or um, oh, it's nice, it's true, stressful in the kitchen and stuff like that. And it's that no one highlights the positive parts of it unless you work in the industry. Um, but even then, the people that have worked in the industry, some of them have some horror stories because of the way it's been. So I feel like yeah, I feel like like you said, hospitality rising is is a, is a massive thing, to kind of. Yeah. Um, Really grab back the narrative, and I'll encourage anyone listening to this that hasn't um, looked into or heard of it, have a look and see if you can do anything to help.
0: Yeah, and it is a big goal that he's set, and obviously it needs it to get the 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 size of the campaign that really our industry needs. And even if you put, I think they were asking for ten pound plus VAT per employee for businesses to contribute, and it's really when you think about what benefit the entire industry will from hotels all the way through to little tea rooms, anything like that. If we can provide a greater platform for people to choose from, everyone benefits. And like I say, we're never really going to get this opportunity again as an industry to have such a major campaign. Okay, we might do, but it hasn't happened before. And now we've got really big people behind this. It has to, it it will do a lot to help us as an industry.
1: Yeah, it feels like the right time, and I think it's it's well overdue, as we we both said. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely time to to recapture the the narrative and kind of let people see that it is an option. I think, yeah, I think the biggest issue is a lot of sixteen year olds don't want to work when they leave school in hospitality, and I I think there's not enough understanding about the jobs on offer. Um, you could be a social media manager in hospitality; it's one of the best yeah. jobs I think around. You literally photo food and drink, and then probably eat it afterwards you get invited to all the glitzy things yeah. and you're part of the industry <laughs> so um so yeah there's i think I don't there's enough understanding that you can be an accountant but you can also work hospitality in hospitality industry at the same time um and then not a lot of people see that as a viable viable option so um so i feel like yeah there's a lot of opportunities there and it's just highlighting them. like you said we we need people so just capturing that would help and i think again as an owner it would definitely help my mental health knowing that there was a bigger pool of people to choose from and you're not sitting up wondering whether someone's going to leave or are we doing enough to keep them happy and i think it's a good issue to have but you also want to know there's enough people there that if someone did leave you're not going to be in a real sticky situation yeah.
0: i think as well and with you talking about young people coming through and it's just on something you said there's the pay that we're offering young people because really legally we can get away with paying them a lot less than we would uh, an adult full-timer. But you've got to look at what the opportunities there are out there for younger people and the pay that they can get in those jobs. And I think the way I like to see it is even a younger person, they may not be as productive as someone who is over the age of 18 and say getting the minimum wage. They're doing the same job. They're still there in that capacity. They're still delivering, but we need to be offering them that on par the parity in terms of pay yeah. just because they're doing the same jobs as someone else but maybe getting three three pound an hour less <laughs> it's a difficult yeah, yeah. it's a difficult position for a, a 16 17 year old to stand there and and work next to someone like that we've got that's I'm a sure big part of. of yeah it's a big part of getting that new people into the industry from below so moving now on to onto your businesses and what you have got in the pipeline in the next twelve months. Just talk us through the you've got a new concept you've just launched.
1: Yeah, so we opened a so on the back of the pandemic and realizing how beautiful delivery is versus a restaurant. I mean with with delivery, you're only you're like 10% service, 90% food. That's what you're judged on. With a restaurant the pie is massive. Like you've got cleanliness, you have got service, you've got the way it looks, you've got presentation, you've got food, you've got drink, you've got so many different factors. Um, so as a, a progression for us, we looked at doing a delivery business and doing it something a bit different. I'm a huge sugar addict. So for 12 months, um, I've got a personal trainer now, so I'm a lot more well behaved, but for 12 months I was eating a <laughs> lot of rubbish. Like I'm sure a lot of us were, but I've always had like a naturally more of a sweet tooth and a savory. And, um, It just, it was just like, well, let's open dessert business. Let's start doing that. You can see like, again, we're recording this on the 28th of March and a few days ago, the winner of The Apprentice had a dessert partner. Um, So that really vindicated me. I felt like I was on the right tracks and I feel like desserts are now a really good thing to get into. And we've just opened that as a delivery option um, in a different building. So slightly away from here. So it's a nice little progression for us as a company to kind of move on and have now two in the portfolio. Um. And yeah, five weeks in, it's going really well. Um, It does cookie dough, waffles, milkshakes, anything sweet and sugary we try and do. But for me now, it's about trying to get more ambitious with it and kind of compete in what is a saturated, becoming a saturated market. And I like that idea of having to be a bit innovative with it and a bit more having to compete a little bit. So I'm looking forward to that journey and where it takes us. But so far, it's been good. And the next few months we spent kind of trying to hone that and perfect that and Guide Coop and Craft through what is going to be a tricky period with, yeah. like you said, this perfect storm of, well, not perfect for us, but a storm of issues coming down the line of energy and stock issues and all you guys love things. Yeah. So so that's the short term future. Long term, I'd love to open another Coop and Craft in the city. Um, like I said, we're on the outskirts of Portsmouth. So Portsmouth is an absolutely brilliant city, but it's very unfashionable for the rest of the country. Um, it's a seaside town and it doesn't get the credit it probably deserves. And I read an article the other day, I think it was in The Telegraph or The Times or something, and it was about how certain areas of hospitality had really shut and lost restaurants over the past few things. I think it was based off Gordon Ramsay's comments recently about how a lot of the rubbish had been lost through the industry, which I felt was a little bit insensitive. But there was an article about that, and the article then showed all the restaurants that had opened in certain areas, and Southsea, which is in Portsmouth, was had opened 42 since the pandemic began. 42 different outlets yeah. and it was the second highest in the whole country so it's an area i'd love to go in and try and compete and see if we could hold our own in and that's what i try and aim for in the long term i think
0: yeah and is the the delivery business is that purely all is that 100 percent delivery focus there's no like is it somewhere that people can walk in to order takeaway no, so or?
1: it's very much a dark kitchen um, yeah. so it's based around that concept it's cheap to run um and it means we can just get the food out quick and do delivery essentially. And I think because you haven't got to cross train with like customer facing customer service, you can just let the chef be chefs. Um, It works really well for us. It kind of, it's not as pressurized as it is running a restaurant. Um, So yeah. So for us at the moment, that's our initial view. Um, But there's no reason why later on that can't develop into more of a physical concept where people can sit down and eat, become a proper dessert parlor. So yeah this is a nice way to be able to test the waters in the halfway house kind of thing. So that's yeah. how we've tried it.
0: No, it's a very, very popular concept. Oh, it's becoming more popular. Like we, I had yeah. uh, a company, Peckwater Brands, on earlier in the right. in the year, and that's what they do. They offer almost like franchise models, but for delivery only. So your virtual brands in, in dark kitchens. And it's something that can really either add on to the business that you've already got, or like you say, like you've got now as a, a standalone operation on its own it, i think it will become more and more popular like you say it's with the the result of the pandemic and the way it's going it's not people aren't going to just go straight back to as they were i think there's certain certain trends and habits that are going to carry on so it'll be interesting to yeah, see I how that goes over gone. the next six months
1: yeah i think delivery could be quite cheap as well as as opposed to going out and i think that's why the habits have probably changed a little bit people aren't scared of staying in anymore um so i think the industry naturally has just gone towards that and you've seen other areas like HelloFresh or Gusto, or whatever, come into its own a bit more through the pandemic. And I think, it's, like you said, it's just habits have change and it's adapting to those.
0: Yeah. So how can people find out a bit more about you and your business? We'll wrap it up after this, but how can they find out whether your socials or just get in touch with you to maybe have a bit more of a conversation around what we chat about today or anything like that?
1: If by some miracle someone wants to have a chat with me, then you're more welcome. Um, <laughs> my instagram or linkedin is george Purnell. um so that's purne um but for the businesses coop and craft is both with k's um so k-o-o-p-k-r-a-f-t so at coop craft on instagram facebook and then the same with goozy which is goozy desserts um which is g-o-o-z-i-e desserts on both instagram and facebook as well and if you're in the mood for some food porn this a great place to look on Instagram for both those businesses so
0: that's brilliant George thank you very much for your time today it's been I've really enjoyed chatting with you and like I say especially talking about things that we're both very sort of passionate about. certainly hospitality rising and again if anyone is listening check it out get involved with it if you can because it's going to be massive for us as an industry so
1: thanks for having me thank you take yeah.
0: care thank you to George there and it's great to get another perspective on what people are doing in the hospitality industry to help their People themselves, and and the frameworks that they put in place to really look after the well-being of their staff. So, what I want from you is if you have got an idea, or is there something that you have been implementing and it works for you in your business? Let me know. Drop me an email to Andy at thecafehustle.com, and I really want to I want to spark up the conversation with you as well because that's what we do it for. And let me know what you need from this podcast. Drop that in the email as well. I would really appreciate it. And it makes me or it helps me create a better podcast for you, our listeners. So thanks again for joining me on the Cafe Hustle. And I will see you next time.